The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back, my friends, as we start this week off together in God's Word. We're grateful you're with us and really hope we can uh, be a source of encouragement today as you look into these last couple of weeks uh, as we look in towards the Christmas season. Um, last couple weeks of the year is enjoyable time for Christmas, New Year, so much good and so much hope. And maybe sometimes for some, some level of overwhelming nature uh, just due to your circumstances. But we're glad you're with us today. Hope we can be encouragement in this time. We're in 2 Peter chapter 3 as we are coming to the conclusion of yet another book of the Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, we mentioned in the last couple episodes that what we have found is that Peter is kind of giving, a, really encouraging people to dig down deep into their personal strength. And they've talked about uh, the importance of Scripture. They've talked about deceivers and false teachers. He's talked about those who just literally mock. They, they don't deny the existence of God. They just mock his importance in our lives. And, and they use it by saying, where is God? Why hasn't he done what he's supposed to? So now we see a little bit of Peter kind of explaining um, sometimes the why God takes for long. He said in last, last in verse 8, he says, today, um, one day is at the Lord of a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So he talks about the fact that God just does not see uh, life the same way we do. We look at one day and it just doesn't mean the same to him. And so we have to understand that we understand God's timetable. He just doesn't look at any of it the way we do. He knows how it's all going to work out as far as his mind. It's already completed. But then he goes on and he gives us um, a little bit of explanation why and then application of what it could apply to us. So let's go to verse 9 of Second Peter chapter 3. He says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering just word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the first thing we see, a very popular verse in referencing the idea that God desires that all should come to repentance. And it kind of goes against the idea where people say that uh, God forces certain people to be saved or God only allows certain people and he doesn't desire everyone. You see, well, predestination, well, it all goes under this phrase, the foreknowledge of God. There's a huge difference between God knowing something, foreknowledge, God knowing what's going to happen and God forcing something to happen. And scripture specifically in this area talks about foreknowledge. God knows who's going to get saved because he stands outside of time. He's already seen the end. He knows who will choose and who will not. There's a great difference between someone who knows it's going to happen and someone who forces things to happen. But you see the heart of God here. And one of the reasons that we say, why is God taking so long to come back? Well, this is a simple answer. He's, he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And so he is extending this. He's extended this this time we're in right now of grace, before the tribulation, everything starts. He's extended this so that as many people can get saved as possible, because he's not willing that any should perish. Any should go to that point. And so he's he's making this to be as long as possible. As we come into what many of us believe to be the end days, you look at the chaos of the world, you look at the craziness of it, look at all of those things, and what do you see? You see God, God's truth much more clear. Don't get me wrong, more mocked. Uh, more insulted by the world, which makes it more clear. The darker the world, the brighter the light. And so the darker this world gets, the brighter our light, since God says we are the light of the world. And since that's true, we look at this and we can see that in these times, you say, well, God is just getting rough, let us go. And God is saying, oh, no, no, that's exactly why you're still here. So then he gives us kind of some challenges. Peter does here after verse 9, he talks about this desire, the reason, some, why he's taking a little longer. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, 
in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall meet with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So he talks about the, the day of the Lord, the ultimate day of the Lord at the very end where God's going to come and he's going to take over everything. Uh, it's going to come quickly. This, I believe, to be as he references the very end of the destruction of the earth, the destruction of this new, this old earth and renewal of the new earth, simply what's going to happen is at some point God's going to take us to heaven. We've seen that First Thessalonians. He will come in the clouds and we will meet him in the air. Then seven years later, at least seven years later, seven plus years, is going to come. he's going to come. That'll be his second coming, as we call it. His second coming where he will destroy his enemy. He will sit on the throne. He will ultimately sit on the throne of David, his father, his, his, his father. Uh, he will uh, destroy the heaven and earth, give a new heaven, a new earth. All of that stuff's going to come in the future as he's referencing this. But it'll come as a thief in the night. It's not going to be like we're going to see it coming. So he says, listen, as you go to the future, a lot of these things, it's not like he's going to say, hey, in three days or two days, you're just going to have to embrace it. When it comes, it's going to come quickly in ways we don't expect it. Verse 11, seeing then that all these things must be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Now, here's an interesting point. He says in verse 10 that in the end days, what's going to happen is and you've got the rapture, you've got the tribulation, you've got the millennium, and ultimately at some point there's going to be this destruction of the, of the earth. There's going to be new heaven, new earth, eternity. He said, here's the premise. If we truly believe that all of these things are going to happen, and we know the Bible teaches it, and, and frankly, you could argue the eschatological ending from your perspective. But here's the point. Outside of some people who just crazily believe we're in it right now, we do know that ultimately the world's going to end. So even if you would debate and say, I don't know if I agree with you, pastor, whatever, here's the premise. In scripture we see, none of that matters. The simple point is this, what we are living in, what we watch, what surrounds us is temporary. I, we know that God's going to come back. We know that God's going to take, throw off his enemy. He's going to rule and reign. And we as a church are going to rule and reign with him. We know all that. So he says, why are we so consumed with the things of this world that are going to go away? We know that the last day perilous times should come. We know all those things. So why are we so overly consumed with things that really don't matter? Really? And that's in our political age. It just don't matter. He goes, seeing then that all of these things, the things that we've often put so much of our heart, so much of our effort, and so much of our life consumed in, these things will be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? If we, instead of being consumed by the world, you just think about this is going to disappear. Shouldn't we have a different perspective, a different outlook? Verse 12, he says, Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being in fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heaven, a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And so he continues to reference the thing, again, it's just a reminder, why are we as Christians so overwhelmed? Now, don't, I understand one premise. A lot of what we see today, the direction of a world that is going so far away from God, that's glorifying uh, sin and it basically making anybody who disagrees with them look horrible, look evil. We knew we'd live in those days. It's not a major surprise. Again, darker the light, the bright, darker the night, the brighter the light. That shouldn't be a surprise to us. But why are we consumed by it? Why are we overwhelmed by it? Yeah, it affects us, but really what it does is it affects the comfort that we live in. This is just going to happen. So what we really need to do is we need to say, stop being consumed and living in anxiety over things we can't control that God said will happen. And let's keep our eyes focused on the fact that 
this is not the end. This, this is just a, a pause in time for the real eternity. And God's got a plan. He loves us and he's going to help us through this until that time comes. You know, the, the world's going to mock all of this. The world mocks it, constantly does things where we're making up conspiracy theories or random real stories. They even want to say that what you read in the Bible never really happened. It's all fake. I heard someone from a different religion uh, call themselves Christian, but a different religion where they say the truths of the Old Testament. They're not, you know, no one, all that. That didn't really happen. And did anyone have those are just stories? No, this stuff really happened. The world just wants us to look at this and say it's not really important, but we know it is. This is the foundation of our hope, not because we want it to be the foundation of our hope. We're not looking blindly into something and say, well, you know what? I don't think ah, this is, I have to believe this or else. No, 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 no. We know it to be true because it's God's word, and we know these things will happen. So we don't look at this and create a false hope making the Bible mean more than it is. We look at the Bible because it's God's word, knowing these things are true, which gives us that assurance and a hope, a hope the world cannot offer. So I, I hope you're encouraged and challenged in the word of God. Stand strong, understand his love, understand his strength, understand what it is he's trying to do in your life. And I encourage you to stand strong in him, walk in him and trust him. Your hope is found in God's word, your hope is found in him, no matter what anybody else says. And may you keep your confidence in him. Thanks again for joining us again on this Monday morning, giving me the chance to be part of your day. We hope it's an encouragement and hope you are doing well as you come in close to the Christmas season. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.